Today we conclude our four-week journey through the Gospel of John, looking at four well-known encounters with Jesus. Last week in John chapter 9, Jesus healed a blind man. And we talked about how it seemed as though Jesus then abandoned the man in his hour of need. And so we asked the question, where was Jesus when this man was summoned to testify before the ruling council? And where was Jesus as this man was excommunicated from the synagogue? But of course, there, there are even deeper questions. If Jesus can heal blindness, why not just prevent blindness? Why does God allow blindness in the first place? And our passage today invites us to ask very similar questions. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, but where was Jesus as Lazarus was dying? If Jesus can reverse the death of Lazarus, why not prevent the death of Lazarus? And if Jesus is so disturbed by the reality of death, if Jesus weeps over the death of a friend, why permit death in the first place? In other words, we're faced with the problem of evil. How to reconcile the reality of suffering and death with the reality of a good and sovereign God. Verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of, Martha, of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. It says Jesus loved Lazarus and his sisters, and so he stayed two days longer where he was. Jesus loved Lazarus and his sisters, and so he delayed. Jesus loved Lazarus and his sisters, and so he let Lazarus die. That's strange, right? We are supposed to find that strange. Verse 7. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? So this is another important, uh, important bit of context. When Jesus travels to where Lazarus is buried, he is traveling into a region in which the ruling class wants him dead. Jesus goes at great risk to himself. And in fact, if we skip ahead to verse 53 in this chapter, as soon as Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, the chief priests and Pharisees made plans to put Jesus to death. In other words, when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, he is knowingly knocking over the first domino in a chain reaction that will lead to his own death. And he knows it. Jesus is knowingly laying down his life for his friends. And greater love has no one than that. 
But I want to go back um, and, and consider the sequence of events from the perspectives of Martha and Mary. Back in verse 3, uh, these two sisters send a message to Jesus. Lord, he whom you love is ill. So that's kind of a, a passive-aggressive request for a healing. The two sisters have, have no doubt witnessed with their own eyes Jesus healing crowds of strangers. And so surely he will also heal Lazarus, his dear friend whom he loves. But Jesus doesn't go to Bethany. He intentionally delays. He doesn't even bother to send a message back to the sisters. And so Mary and Martha begin chapter 11 hopeful. They begin expecting a miracle. They have every reason to expect a miracle. But over time, that that hope turns to doubt. And over time, that doubt turns to despair. And as Lazarus dies, you can imagine how Mary and Martha probably felt. You can imagine the sorts of questions they were probably asking. Did Jesus love Lazarus at all? Is this really what Jesus considers friendship? And what about, what about us? Maybe he doesn't care for us either. And of course, these are, these are exactly the sorts of questions we ask when faced with losing a loved one. Where is God? If he loves us, why is he letting this happen? Does he, does he care for us at all? If God desires to do away with pain and death, and he, he says that he does, if God desires to do away with pain and death, why does he permit pain and death? Why does he delay? Why all of this anxiety and disappointment and pain and perplexity and misery and hopelessness? Why? So the two sisters are both heartbroken. They are both evidently wrestling with their faith. But they respond in in very different ways. And I think we can all see ourselves in their responses. Verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. So Martha marches out to confront Jesus whereas Mary withdraws. Martha is assertive, Mary is guarded. Martha takes action, and Martha demands answers. Mary avoids being hurt further. But you can hear the the confusion in Martha's voice. You can hear her internal struggle. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. 
Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. Martha is conflicted. She knows who Jesus is. She knows that Jesus could have healed her brother. She knows that Lazarus will eventually be resurrected, but she's still confused. And and rightly so, because Jesus has orchestrated this whole thing on purpose. But Martha returns home, and she calls her sister Mary, and she says, the teacher is here, and he's calling for you. Come out from your hiding, Mary. He does love you, Mary. He does care for you. Go to him. And when Mary came out to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, same thing Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And again, Mary's words convey a a mixture of both faith and resentment. I, I know what you could have done, and I don't understand why you didn't do it. As I said earlier, I I think we can all see ourselves in these responses. Each of us can identify with either Martha or Mary or um, something in between. These sorts of questions are universal in the face of death and suffering. We question God's power. We question God's love. We question God's attentiveness. We question his purposes in the world We question his existence. Well, I I hate to disappoint you, but John chapter 11 doesn't really answer the questions we ask in the face of death and suffering. But John chapter 11 does teach us what to do with our questions, what to do with the tension that we feel. Whether you respond to heartbreak like Martha or you respond to heartbreak like Mary, in either case, you take your questions to Jesus. You go to him directly. He is sovereign over whatever you are facing. And listen, part of the purpose behind whatever you are facing is that you would come to him. He wants to hear your questions. He's not afraid of your doubts or your resentments. He is drawing you nearer. And not not only that, but John chapter 11 reveals the true heart of God in the midst of our suffering. He may not answer our questions. He may not resolve that tension for us. But he has revealed to us his heart. John chapter 11 doesn't solve the problem of evil, but it does help us to see that the reality of suffering and the reality of God are compatible realities. The reality of suffering does not disprove the reality of God. And the reality of God does not preclude the reality of suffering. We worship 
a weeping God. Verse 33. When Jesus saw Mary weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. We are told that Jesus was deeply moved. Deeply moved. Interestingly, that that word refers to a snort. In the Old Testament, God God is commonly depicted as having nostrils that flare at injustice. When God gets angry, his nose burns. Picture a a bull blowing smoke out of its nostrils in response to injustice, in response to human suffering. God snorts like that. And so when Jesus comes face to face with death and he sees the pain that death brings to people he loves, he gets he gets sad and he gets angry. And so again, this is, this is not technically an answer to the problem of evil. But it is comforting. And it is encouraging to know that Jesus feels what we feel. But of course, Jesus doesn't just feel what we feel. Jesus suffers what we suffer. We don't just worship a, a weeping God. We worship a suffering This entire story is foreshadowing the death and resurrection of Christ. Jesus has come to knock down that that first domino. Jesus has traveled to the place where where Lazarus is buried, intending to trade his life for his friends. Verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Sounds familiar, right? Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. So the details within these verses invite us to compare and contrast the resuscitation of Lazarus and the resurrection of Jesus. I I say resuscitation because Lazarus will eventually die again, whereas Jesus is raised imperishable. When Lazarus comes out of the tomb, he's still wrapped in burial clothes. He remains bound by the garments of death. But when Jesus comes out of the tomb, the the garments of death are left behind. For Lazarus, death is 
temporarily reversed. But for Jesus, death is forever overcome and defeated. And so Jesus has demonstrated that he does indeed have the power to overcome and defeat and eradicate death. Like Martha and Mary, we know what he can do. We just don't understand why he delays. We don't understand why he permits the death of those he loves. Friends, each of us will one day die. If that is news to you, please come to the Ash Wednesday service next year. Each of us will one day die. But John chapter 11 teaches us to do so knowing that it's through death that we get to see and experience the glory of God in all of its fullness. We may not understand, but we can always trust that Jesus is doing something glorious. He's working something good. Martha and Mary wanted a healing, but what they got was even better. In the end, they got their brother back, but in the process, they came to a fuller and deeper and more intimate knowledge of Jesus. You may be working through something right now. You, you may be suffering through something right now, something for which you wish God would just change your circumstances. Fix it, please. Come to Bethany and heal. I know you can do it. But don't wish away the even better thing that Jesus may be doing. Trusting him means trusting his process. And so, yes, God permits suffering and death, but in, in doing so, he draws us closer to himself. He teaches us to be more dependent on him. He fosters a deeper and more mature faith. And he grows our character. As followers of Jesus, we face down death and all suffering with the firm and steadfast expectation of future glory. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear it will live. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, you... You care for us with unfathomable wisdom. And that means that we often don't understand it. Help us to trust you. Jesus, thank you for feeling what we feel. Thank you for suffering what we suffer. Holy Spirit, make us, make us bold and steadfast in the face of suffering and death. Help us to, to trust you through the process. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.